a desert planet with twin suns. Why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? Use my knowledge. Much to learn, you still have. Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, welcome to this week's episode. If my sound is a little different, that's because I'm operating with some new hardware. I've got a new mic, new setup. It's a little more professional, and I hope that it makes the sound a little more crisp, a little more of an enjoyable time to uh, listen to. So this week, we're going to be talking about The Chosen One and essentially my thoughts on how uh, the Disney sequel trilogy has affected uh, sort of the original intent for that prophecy as stated by George Lucas. Uh, So without further ado, let's dive into some ARC Trooper training. Gentlemen, who wants to be an ARC Trooper? I do, sir! All right, so for this first bit, I'm going to just be explaining what the Chosen One prophecy is, and then after that, I'm going to move into a bit of a rant about uh, how I feel like it's been sort of uh, blemished or tainted by the new Disney canon, and essentially uh, just kind of how I feel like... uh, that, that that's affected things and, and how it makes me a bit upset. So uh, stay tuned for that. But for now, I'm just going to be kind of explaining how, or not how, but like what the prophecy is. So first off, I feel like it's appropriate for me to read word for word what the prophecy of the Chosen One is. And this comes from the novel, the canon novel, Master and Apprentice, which follows Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn uh, on a mission before the events of The Phantom Menace. And so... According to this book, the prophecy of the chosen one states that um, only through the sacrifice of many Jedi will the order cleanse the sin done to the nameless. The danger of the past is not past, but sleeps in an egg. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the galaxy entire. When the force itself sickens, past and future must split and combine. A chosen one shall come, born of no father. And through him will the ultimate balance in the Force be restored. So, conventionally speaking, Anakin Skywalker is accepted as the Chosen One in Star Wars canon. Anakin Skywalker being um, the main protagonist of the uh, initial three films. um, Or initial, technically in release order, middle three. But as far as chronologically, we're talking about it, it's uh, the first three films so phantom menace attack of the clones and Re- uh, revenge of the sith which is um known colloquially as the prequel trilogy so anakin skywalker was the son of shmi skywalker he was born into slavery and served under the huts and then later a tordarian named wado until he was about nine years old then he was found by qui-gon jinn on tatooine whenever qui-gon and uh his charges were uh, essentially stranded there looking for parts and, and uh, trying to get off world to Coruscant uh, to help the Queen of Naboo plead her case to the Republic Senate. Um, and then Qui-Gon helped Anakin become uh, freed, and then uh, he took him to Coruscant to be trained as a Jedi. And the Jedi Council was very wary of Anakin despite his unprecedented midichlorian count. And midichlorians, for those of you who are unfamiliar, are essentially these microscopic originelles that uh, kind of live in a symbiotic relationship with their host, and they essentially help the uh, their their host body connect to the force. And the midi chlorian count 
is essentially directly proportional to a being's potential. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with how um, powerful they would be without any training, but their potential is essentially directly linked to their midichlorian count. And so um, Anakin's midichlorian count was higher than any Jedi's ever in the history of the Order. Um, so, But their concern lie, lay in the fact that he was much older than um, most Jedi were when they were indoctrinated into the Order, and the concern was about the fact that he had connections to his mother and to his past life, which could lead him down a dark path, because the reason for uh, essentially taking uh, infants into their Order was, was so that they didn't have any attachment to the outside world, and they would have no bias when it came to dealing with events in the galaxy at large. And if you want a little more context uh, about how uh, the Jedi operated with uh, what they hoped to be complete objectivity, you can go back to my episode where I, I go into an introspective into the Jedi Order. I believe that's my fifth episode, um, all the way back at the beginning. And also, eventually, I don't have a timetable for this, but I'm hoping to re-release all of those initial episodes where the sound quality is a little uh, spotty where whenever I was still figuring this stuff out. I'm going to try to go ahead and re-release those um, to kind of give y'all a, a whole new experience. So stay tuned for that. I don't have a timetable for it just because I don't know when I'm going to have time to do it, uh, but but be on the lookout for that. Um, so for those reasons, the Jedi Council was wary of letting him be trained in the ways of their order. But eventually, they allowed Obi-Wan Kenobi to train Anakin following Qui-Gon Jinn's death. Uh, and then he eventually, Anakin, fell in love with Padme Amidala, and they married in secret because the Jedi Order forbids marriage, once again, because uh, relationships and romantic attachment is uh, something that would cloud their objectivity. Uh, during the Clone Wars, Anakin was made into a war hero by news reports, uh, which, interestingly enough, they did a lot to demonize the Jedi Order, but for the most part, uh, portrayed Anakin in a very positive light. And could that be, could have been Palpatine's manipulation? Who knows? But but it is interesting because for the most part, people were very against the war and felt like it was unnecessary, but, um, but Anakin was heavily portrayed as a hero of it. Um, and I'll be going a bit more in depth into uh, Anakin's life a little bit further on, but this is just kind of a brief rundown of his timeline. Um, he turned to the dark side and betrayed the Jedi to attempt to save his wife, and then turned into a servant of Darth Sidious following the death of his wife and the fall of the Republic. He essentially failed at his primary task, um, which led him into a, a well of deep grief. Um, he was later redeemed by his son uh, years later during the Battle of Endor, and ultimately fulfilled the prophecy of the Chosen One and killed Palpatine. Um, so, a couple things. First of all, Qui-Gon believed Anakin was the Chosen One, once again, because of his unprecedentedly high midichlorian count. Uh, and like I said, midichlorian count was essentially directly proportional to a being's potential. Once again, it didn't really matter how high a person's midichlorian count was if they didn't have proper training, if they hadn't honed their abilities to completion. Therefore, people often say that like Anakin and Obi-Wan's duel on Mustafar, Anakin should beat him easily. And it's like, well, not necessarily because Obi-Wan had far more experience and Obi-Wan was smarter and let, didn't let his emotions cloud his judgment like Anakin did. 
for those reasons, he was able to defeat him. But he really didn't really defeat him. He just outlasted him and outsmarted him. He wasn't able to overpower him, and he knew this. But Obi-Wan was also a master of Sorosu, form three of lightsaber combat, which is primarily defensive. So he was essentially in a battle of attrition, and he was counting on the fact that he was going to be able to outlast Anakin. And he was going to be able to last long enough that he would be able to essentially capitalize on any mistakes that Anakin made uh, later in the fight. Um, so there's that. Mace Windu was skeptical of uh, Anakin being the chosen one because of his own aspirations to fulfill the prophecy. So Mace Windu thought that he was the chosen one. And uh, he had a, it was pretty general consensus that he was the chosen one until Anakin came along. And so there was a bit of jealousy there and a bit of resentment that uh, Mace felt towards Anakin, which you can see during the movies. He doesn't trust him. He doesn't really uh, give him the respect that he deserves. And that's a big part of Anakin's turn. Uh, The Mortis gods from the Clone Wars uh, had their own view of the Chosen One and believed him to be a being that would bring balance to their world and create harmony between its inhabitants. Um... For more on the Mortis gods and kind of everything that they have going on, I know that they're kind of an obscure bit of Star Wars lore. And if you haven't watched the uh, the Clone Wars, then you have no idea what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, then I would highly encourage that you do. And if you haven't and you don't want to, then you can go back to episode 51 where I had uh, Jack Pittman on and we talked in length, uh, at, at length about uh, the Mortis gods and kind of their significance in the, in the Star Wars mythos. And uh, kind of give a pretty comprehensive uh, idea of, of who they are and, and, and what they're about. So if you're interested in learning more about them, go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Um, Obi-Wan, this is pretty interesting. Obi-Wan lost faith in the notion that Anakin was the Chosen One after his fall and, and during Obi-Wan's exile on, on Tatooine. And uh, he instead decided to believe that his son, Luke, was the chosen one. And and, uh, this is established during Star Wars Rebels. And I won't tell you the context of this because because it's a pretty significant spoiler for for the show. But but essentially, yeah, Obi-Wan, and this is also evident, the the fact that he was disillusioned that Anakin was the chosen one. And his statement, when Anakin is on the lava bank and he's already cut off his, his arm and his legs... And he says, you were the chosen one. That means he doesn't believe that he is the chosen one anymore. And so, and he also says in, in Empire Strikes Back, he says, that boy is our last hope. And so all of these things point to the fact that Obi-Wan really didn't believe that uh, Anakin was the chosen one anymore. And he had completely lost faith in his, in his old friend um, whenever, um, w- whenever he was on exile on Tatooine. So... So I think that that's a bit of a, a bit of cool insight, and that that straight from Dave Filoni, he did a little. Um, and I, I reference Dave Filoni so much, but he's about the closest thing to George Lucas that we have at this point, um, and he he does all these cool little behind the scenes things, and that was a little behind the scenes uh, deal for Rebels that he did, uh, and he kind of pointed that out, which is really really cool. So now moving on, uh, Anakin's existence was essentially a reaction from the Force to the workings of Darth Plagueis and Darth Sidious. And this, the full story isn't canon, but kind of elements of it is. So I'll, I'll explain the full story, and then I'll point out what of it is officially canon. So in Legends, when experimenting with manipulation of midichlorians, 
Darth Plagueis creates a sort of force vergence, which leads to the conception of Anakin Skywalker despite him having no father. So, essentially, he was pushing the dark side of the Force to its limit, and the Force, in turn, said, okay, you're going to try to manipulate me and, and use me for these dark purposes. I'm going to bring about what's ultimately going to be your demise, because the Chosen One was meant to bring balance to the Force and destroy the Sith. And so... It's just a cool little bit of irony there uh, with that. And that's from the Darth Plagueis novel. It's a brilliant piece of Star Wars literature. I would highly, highly recommend reading it. Um, but in canon, it's heavily implied that Anakin was conceived uh, through the Force by some sort of dark manipulation. Um, it is just a very unnatural uh, sort of cause of birth. And this is from some of the Vader comics. And it's kind of implied that, that Palpatine was the one that manipulated the Force and caused his conception. But, but that's not necessarily true. It was just Palpatine that was kind of uh, prodding Vader on. So that could have just been the context of what was happening. But, but it's still pretty interesting. And it, it does confirm that his, his, uh, him being born was not of natural means. It was kind of the Force intervening in a way. Um. And that being said, I want to go a little bit into the tragedy of Anakin before I get into my rant, because I think that this adds a lot of important context to why I feel so strongly about this. And it also does because if people aren't super aware of um, Anakin's full story, if they haven't watched the Clone Wars and stuff, then they kind of just see this quick turn from Anakin where he's kind of you don't get to see all the buildup to his turn to the dark side. You don't get to see all the betrayal and the heartbreak that he goes through. Um, so I, I, I think that that's important context to have. And so that being said, there's going to be a, a few spoilers for the Clone Wars in here. But if you're okay with that, feel free to, to stick around. And if you're not okay with that, go ahead and go back to the first two ep- or no, episodes two and three of this podcast are my roadmap through the Clone Wars. They're also available on my website, twinsuntalks.wixsite.com slash twin-sun. Also available on my Instagram page if you if you scroll all the way down uh, to my first couple posts. It's my roadmap through the Clone Wars, and it essentially helps you uh, hit the most important episodes because the seven full seasons, which is pretty daunting to take on all at once. It's pretty intimidating. So if you want uh, to make it a little more manageable, a little less intimidating, then uh, I have a way to kind of streamline it, and that's in the form of my roadmap. So feel free to go ahead and check that out. It hits what I feel like are the most important ones. And I've, I've had people that have said um, that, that my, my taste isn't, isn't flawless, so keep that in mind. But uh, from my perspective, it covers the most important ones. But that being said, this is a look into uh, Anakin's tragedy, and his tragedy comes into play when you consider the full culmination of what caused Anakin to fall to the dark side. And it all starts with the fact that he was taken from his mother at a very young age. And then he was apprenticed to an inexperienced Jedi and put under intense scrutiny as a, as a Padawan. Which is interesting because we kind of deify Obi-Wan as kind of this ideal Jedi, but the fact of the matter was he wasn't ready to take on a Padawan. He wasn't, he was just just out of being a Padawan himself, he was in no way ready to take on the responsibility of training the chosen one of all people. And so it's it's very important to take that into consideration because while we see them 
as very good friends uh, in the Clone Wars era and beyond that, it wasn't it wasn't that good early on. Obi-Wan was very hard on Anakin because he didn't really know how else to do it. He hadn't had time to develop as a Jedi himself. He was just kind of thrown into this situation. And that caused a lot of... Uh, it, it kind of gave Anakin this feeling of inadequacy and kind of wanted... He, he wanted to... He always sought approval from the other members of the Order and, and from Obi-Wan in particular. Um, he was forced to keep his love for Padme a secret due to Jedi doctrine. Obviously, romantic attachment, like I've said many, many times, is not allowed because it uh, impacts the objectivity of the individual in in the Order. Um, he witnessed uh, the death of his own mother and gave in to his rage, I mean, at in murders of the Tuscans. And that's such a a sad and powerful moment too, because that's the first time that we really see Anakin uh, give in to his inner darkness. And that's not the last time that we see it either. Um, he uh, was then given a Padawan who he didn't really want at first, because first of all, he thought that it might uh, put a wedge between him and Obi-Wan. And second of all, he just found her frankly quite annoying, but he ends up growing very fond of her. And then his Padawan ends up excelling and becoming a very formidable and, and impressive Jedi, but then ultimately leaves the Order before she becomes a knight after complications with her trust in the Jedi. And if you want to learn more about that, go and watch The Clone Wars. And if you haven't already and you're already here, then I'm sorry that I, I, I give you a little bit of a spoiler there. Um, and also, throughout The Clone Wars, he's continually sidelined by the Council, uh, solidifying the idea that he isn't valued or trusted. One example of this that uh, Palpatine kind of uh, utilizes and, and kind of preys upon is whenever Obi-Wan goes undercover as a bounty hunter and fakes his death, that really betrays Anakin's trust. And, and their reasoning is kind of like, oh, we needed Anakin to have a genuine reaction to really sell the fact that Obi-Wan had died. But at the end of the day, they didn't need to keep him in the dark for that long. And that was a really traumatic experience. And, and I mean, he said it himself, how many lies have I been told by the council? And that really kind of sparks his mistrust in the Jedi, which, which I find very interesting. And that's just one of many uh, examples of, of the Council kind of not reading the room correctly when it comes to Anakin. Um, and then he's also, like I said, manipulated by Palpatine in very subtle ways to shake his faith in the Jedi uh, to kind of like be like, oh, it doesn't seem like they're fully appreciating your gifts doesn't seem like they're trusting you but but guess what i do and he kind of puts himself in that position to be a father figure and, and a figure that anakin trusts with dark secrets and uh that puts him in a very he's almost like grooming anakin like we see like with predators and stuff and it's like it's it's a scary thing but it's 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 very interesting too to see kind of the psychology of of anakin's fall and um, and then ultimately Palpatine convinces him to kill Dooku against the Jedi Code. It's kind of like, well, Anakin is already kind of hesitant about it, but then it, all it takes is Palpatine saying, do it. And he does it. And he's guilty about it, but at the same time, he was that easily swayed against the Jedi Code just by those two simple words. And that kind of solidifies Palpatine's, uh, 
Palpatine's quest to to make him his apprentice because he's been testing him for a while. And if you want, you can go back and listen to my my episode about the genius of uh, Palpatine's plan. I'm not entirely sure which episode it is, but I can look it up real fast because it's one of my favorite episodes. And I really want people to um, to listen to it because I, I feel like it didn't quite get uh, the love that I wanted it to. It's, it's episode 42 of this podcast, and I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to it because I feel like I, I really like doing these kinds of thoughty, more conceptual Star Wars um, episodes, and, and I, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Um, but then after that, these are these are pretty standard things that we know from the movies. He's then... Uh, denied the rank of master by the council. But here's the kicker. He would have gotten the rank of master if he had trained a Padawan to knighthood, which he almost trained Ahsoka, his Padawan from the Clone Wars, to knighthood, but then she left the order right before she became a knight. So he would have already been a master if it wasn't for that. Um, And then he's also put in a position where he will do whatever is necessary to save Padme because he keeps having visions of... uh, her imminent death, and he ultimately chooses the dark side because he sees no other option because the Jedi invalidate his emotions, and they tell him to let go of, let go of everything you fear to lose, and essentially say, like, suck it up, like, yeah, we know that you're afraid to lose these people in your life, sucks to suck, deal with it, and he says, well, no, I don't want to, I want to do something about it, and that leads him to Palpatine, and that leads him to the dark side. And once he's in it, he's in it, and he's willing to go as far as to kill children to save Padme. And it's so sad, but you see the lengths that he... Like, once he cuts off Windu's hand and betrays the Jedi, he's in it. And he says, I will do whatever you ask. And he's fully committed himself to the darkness, and he's fully convinced himself that the Jedi are evil and that even at the most basic level of youngling that they're inherently corrupt and they need to be eradicated. And it's terrifying, but also really sad and really interesting. Um, and so then, um, yeah, he betrays the Jedi and ends up losing any everything anyways and everybody he ever, ever cared about and everybody he ever loved between... Padme, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, Rex, everybody is gone, and it's all his fault. And ultimately, he is redeemed through the love for his son, and he comes back to the light and throws Palpatine over the railing and down the reactor shaft. And that's why I feel like his story is so powerful, is because in the movies you don't get all the context around it, and it feels very rushed, but with the context of the Clone Wars it becomes a very powerful and really, really heartbreaking story. And, and I think that it's, it's a really interesting thing to see. Um, so that's about all that I have for Arc Trooper training. Let's dive into my rant, and I've got a bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this. All right, guys, so here's the cheese. And if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've kind of heard me hint at this. But my biggest issue with the sequel trilogy, and as Rise of Skywalker in particular, is that it completely invalidates and usurps Anakin's entire storyline in the original six movies because Palpatine coming back completely negates Anakin's whole storyline. And the notion that he is the chosen one is completely erased 
because he didn't bring balance to the force. Palpatine survived. And nothing that Anakin Skywalker did mattered. It's just completely... It's, it's made almost a joke. It's like, well, this guy thought he brought balance. No, he didn't. Palpatine was just lurking in the shadows the entire time. So balance was never actually restored. It, was, it just kind of created like a little prolonged period of, of uh, false hope before Palpatine was brought back for the real hero of the story, Rey, um, to come back and save it. And this is my biggest issue with the character of Rey is that she kind of, and this is less an issue of my issue with her character and more of an issue with the just the story in general is that it completely discredits and spits in the face of existing lore. And it, it really rubs me the wrong way and it feels very disrespectful. Um, and because Rey defeating Palpatine also makes her technically the chosen one because she's the one that brought balance to the force. She's the one that defeated Palpatine. This is why I feel like the scene would have been a lot more impactful if she had had all the force ghosts standing behind her with their, with their hands outstretched, kind of like giving her a little nudge because it's not just her. It's, it's all the Jedi that came before her. And I think that that would have, that would have saved the scene. And, that I wouldn't even have these complaints if that had happened. But it makes me angry that they just kind of, they being Disney, kind of do things without considering the consequences that their actions have on existing lore. And this, this happened with making the dyad the precursor to the rule of two and all these things where it's like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. And you don't even understand how it works because if you did, you would understand that this is inherently a contradiction and the whole ideology of the Sith anyways, or if you understood that what you were doing was, like, I, I don't even know, like, just, it, it makes me so very angry, because, like I said, I, th- I think the easiest way to say it is that it's just, it's disrespectful. It spits in the face of George Lucas's vision for this, and it, it, it just, it throws it in the garbage, and says, okay, this is what we're doing now, we don't really care about all the stuff that was established before, because we just want to make money and make make these half-baked movies that, that only, like, seven people like. And if you do like the sequels, I'm really sorry. I don't mean to, 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 to make fun of you or alienate you because more power to you if you do like them. This isn't about people that like them or people um, that acted in them or anything like that. It, it's all, it has everything to do with the people that made it and people that didn't even take a second to consider, oh, maybe these decisions that we're making aren't what's best for the for the franchise as a whole it just it makes me really sad especially as as a very established and and long-lived uh star wars fan long-lived i'm I'm 19 years old but i don't know it it might be a bit of a, a childish thing to get this worked up about something like star wars but george lucas ultimately made anakin the chosen one and i'm sticking to that i don't care they and that one thing that I will give them credit for is they haven't tried to push the idea that Ray is the chosen one. That's just kind of the implication that's made. But at the same time, it doesn't make it too much better. And it does it does say like Anakin says, bring balance, Ray, as I did. The fact that Palpatine's back means that Anakin didn't didn't bring balance to the force, which which sucks. Also, balance for like 30 years, that's not balance. That's like that's just toppling an authoritative regime. That's not really balance. 
that's that's another issue that I have with with sequels at all is that like any sort of conflict that you have kind of negates the storyline of bringing balance. So I don't know. I I do intend to do a how I would have done the sequels if I had if I was in control at some point. Maybe I'll make an inability to speak to not make you intelligent because I have a feeling it's going to go on for a while. Speaking for going on for a while, this episode's gotten pretty long, so. I'm going to go ahead and take us out, but this wouldn't be a proper episode if I didn't leave you with just a little bit more. Alrighty, so speaking of George Lucas's original intentions, in his personal draft of the sequel trilogy, which he pitched to Disney, uh, whenever they acquired the rights to Star Wars, George Lucas actually intended for Leia to ultimately be the chosen one. This was because she was going to be responsible for reestablishing the Republic and restoring peace on a galactic level regardless of any discourse or agendas of the Jedi Order. And this would have been the culmination of Lucas's trilogy of trilogies, essentially episodes 1 through 9. Uh, and the first trilogy was going to be centered around the father, the prequels, the second was going to be around the son, and then the third was going to be around the daughter. Which, once again, ties into the imagery of the, um, the Mortis gods where there's the father the son and the daughter. Um, and I don't know how I feel about this. I think that if it's George Lucas, then he has every right to do whatever he wants with this because it's his franchise and he's the original creator of it. But I, I think that it's a rather cool notion. I think that it would be kind of cool if, and this, this would once again make the sequel trilogy work better in my opinion is if like each generation had their chosen one and each generation had their um or there 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 was room for multiple where there's not just one but there is like one per like cycle of darkness if that makes sense i don't know maybe that just dilutes it but i just don't think that there's any room for storytelling after a chosen one comes you know what i mean because i feel like any like i said any sort of conflict would would kind of undermine any sort of balance that they would bring so i i don't really know it's 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 kind of a slippery slope when you're going down that rabbit hole but say lovey i digress but anyways um that's about all i have for today's episode uh, I really hope that you enjoyed it. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram. I'm still doing my 31-day Star Wars challenge, and I would love for y'all to participate. Go ahead and uh, comment all of your answers on the post as they come out. Today's post was about my favorite Star uh, Clone Wars arc. Uh, so go ahead and follow me at Twin Sun Talks on Instagram uh, to participate. I highly encourage everybody to go ahead and drop a comment whenever you feel uh, compelled to. Uh, and then if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, we are Twins on Talks Podcast. Uh, and then follow us on streaming platforms, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We are Twins on Talks. Um, yeah, that's about all that I have. You've taken your first steps into a larger world. Oh, wait, no, never mind. Um, also, stay tuned for our Broke of Boba Fett reviews every Wednesday. That's all that I have now. You've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the force be with you, and I will see y'all in the next episode. Bye, friends.